Welcome to Atmosphere Church. My name is Jim Cruz and I'm the lead pastor. We're a new non-denominational life-giving church located in the Conejo Valley, just west of Los Angeles. Let me just say on behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it'll touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we wanna make ourselves available to you in any way we can. Please leave a comment if you need prayer or if you wanna speak with one of our leaders in any struggle that you may be facing right now, we will be sure to respond to anything you need in your life. Here at Atmosphere, we believe that we should never forsake the gathering together with other believers. Don't use this recorded service as your church experience. Get involved in the local church to the extent that the people there know you by name. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our community. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at atmosphere.church. Finally, there's a lot of man hours that are put behind making services and resources like this available that are meant to help you grow and develop as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith. To make a financial donation, simply click on the link on our site that says donate and your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Remember, when you give to Atmosphere Church, you're actually giving through Atmosphere to change lives in our church in our city and literally around the world. We've already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the service. We're gonna segue into our message today. Our message is selfless. And if you have your Bibles, we're gonna go to the Gospel of Luke. We're gonna be in chapter 12 and we're gonna talk about a parable that, that Jesus gives but we, we started this series last week, and I said that part of our problem in our culture is we're a little too self-absorbed. Now, all of us, we took a narcissism assessment test last week. So if you missed it, we put it online. It's so funny. And what we found is there's a little selfishness in all of us. That's, that's not, like, uncommon. If, if, if you scored something that you are a little selfish, you're, that's normal, but what we're finding is that we are growing and escalating in exponential proportions of being too self-centered, being too self-absorbed, and how that can be so negative towards not just our relationship with God, but really it can be very negative with our relationships with one another. Check this scripture out in James chapter 4, verse 1. It says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Aren't they caused by the selfish desires that fight to control you? I, I mean, what I want you to think about is the last argument you had with somebody. It doesn't have to be necessarily your spouse. It could be a relative. It could be, you know, a, a neighbor, a coworker, uh, maybe even a church member. But chances are, there at some point in that conflict, there was probably some selfishness shown. Now, chances are you saw the selfishness in the other person. <laughs> They're like, that's so selfish. <laughs> and what I talked about last week is selfishness is kind of one of those tricky things that we could see so well in other people, but we can't necessarily see it as well 
in ourselves. And maybe we've been accused of being selfish here or there, but definitely selfishness can be an issue. I was reading this story, and some of you guys have heard of this story before, but it, uh, it goes like this. A young lady was waiting for her flight in the boarding room of a big airport, and as she would need to wait many hours, she decided to buy a book and spend her time, and she also bought a packet of cookies. And she sat down in an armchair in the VIP room of the airport to rest and read in peace. Besides the armchair where the packet of cookies lay, a man sat down in the next seat, opened his magazine, and started reading. When she took out the first cookie, the man took one as well. She felt irritated but said nothing. She just thought, what a nerve. If I was in the mood, I'd punch him in the face. For each cookie she took, the man took one too. This was so infuriating her, uh, her, but she didn't want to cause a scene. When only one cookie remained, she thought, what would this abusive man do now? Then the man taking the last cookie divided it into half, giving her one half. This is too much, she thought. She was much too angry now. She took her book and her things and stormed to the boarding place. When she sat down in her seat, she looked into her purse for her eyeglasses and to her surprise, her packet of cookies was there, untouched and unopened. She felt so ashamed. She realized that she was wrong. She had forgotten that her cookies were still in her purse. The man had divided his cookies with her without feeling angry or bitter, while at the same time, she was highly irritated and even angry at the thought that he was stealing her cookies. She thought she was losing some of her cookies while she was actually gaining some from him, a complete stranger. And, and I, I love that story because so much of our conflict that we deal with in life is, is our perspective. And we have, I think, by the brokenness of our nature, we have a very self-centered perspective. And what I challenge you with last week is Jesus coming to this earth was more than just us going to heaven. It was about getting heaven into us. And the heavenly antidote against selfishness is actually Jesus more. And the more Jesus that we are allowing to come into our lives, the less self dominates who we are as people. And I'm telling you, the less self that dominates your life, not only is your relationship with God gonna be better, it's actually gonna improve the relationships that you have in your life, your marriage, your, your relationship with your parents or your kids, and so on and so forth. Well, in Luke chapter 12, we're going to read this parable that Jesus gives. And it says, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? Then he said to them, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? 
Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you, and now who will own what you've prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Let me pray. Father, I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you for this series called Selfless, Lord, because I really believe the prayer of John the Baptist is that Jesus must become greater, I must become less. Lord, that is the prayer of Atmosphere Church in this series. And help us use this Bible study this morning to awaken us to the reality, Lord, that you are to become greater and we are to become less. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as we reflect on this parable, there's something to be said about being rich toward God. And I don't know if you've ever thought about that term before. And and to be rich toward God, in a sense, is to value the things that God values. I mean, if you're going to be rich toward God, they're going to take the valuable things that God has, and you're going to invest in those things. That's being rich toward God. Let me tell you, the most valuable possession that God has is the human being sitting right next to you right now. Go ahead and touch your shoulder and say hello. All right? That, that is God's most valuable commodity right there. And you're included in it. That Jesus came to this earth and he died for your sin because God has made a statement to you and to me, and that is we have unsurpassable worth. That the most valuable thing on this planet are other human beings to God. So when it comes to being rich toward God, he's really saying, hey, you can leverage your life and get more and more possessions. You can leverage your life and get more and more stuff and miss the most valuable thing that you should be investing in, you ought to be investing in, and that is being rich toward the things that God values, which is other people. You know, there's nothing wrong about working and having money and having nice things. There's, this, this parable is not about that. This parable is about being so focused on yourself that you miss the whole point of your existence. That God has actually hardwired us to not be self-centered so much as to be other-centered. And we talked about humility last week, and humility is elevating others and de-elevating yourself. And as you naturally elevate others, you naturally de-elevate yourself. And so what Jesus tells us in this parable and many other examples from the New Testament is that God has an agenda for us to really fully be alive. And the more that we're giving our life away, the more that we're giving the more that we're loving and the more that we're serving, the more we're being more like Jesus. And as we Jesus more, we will self less. And you're never more like Jesus than when you're giving, when you're loving, and when you're serving. Yesterday was a great example of serving, and when we're serving others, we're not really thinking about ourselves, we're thinking about that other person. And today we wanna focus on this idea of giving. We want to focus this idea on the the big idea of generosity. 
Think of what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians. He says, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be, what's that word, church? Generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. In other words, as we leverage our lives to be generous towards other people, other people are not only going to receive what we have to give them, they're going to connect the dots and say, yay, God. That's why when, I, when I'm generous to other people, I always want to connect my generosity to my love for God. I always go out of my way and say, do you know why I'm doing this kind act? Is because Jesus changed my life and, and that God has done something in me that I am eternally grateful for. I want to leverage the rest of my life to doing things for him. I always want to do that. I want to be intentional to connect the dots for people. But uh, when, when you really understand fully the generosity that God has extended towards your life, it's really not difficult to be generous towards other people. There was an example that Jesus has with a man called Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus was this tax collector. He had uh, probably scammed all of these people uh, of all of this money. Uh, I, I think he might have been one of the original telemarketers. Uh, so, so Zacchaeus, because he, he kind of was a bad boy and nobody really respected him, he was kind of pushed out of the circle of the religious people. They kind of looked at him as a crook. So one day Jesus was going through town and Zacchaeus was like, man, I've heard about this guy. He kind of sounds impressive. So he climbs up this tree so he could get a good look at Jesus because nobody was going to let him push his way through the crowded parade that Jesus was going through. But Zacchaeus being in this tree, Jesus stops in the route that he was taking, he says, hey, Zacchaeus, get down from that tree. I want to go have dinner with you. So here Jesus, being so generous with his own life, knowing very well what kind of a man Zacchaeus was, says, hey, I'm going to go to your house. Jesus invited himself over to his house. And in that invitation, Zacchaeus, which you know, he received, Zacchaeus responds I mean, Zacchaeus doesn't have a Bible. He doesn't have a preacher telling him, this is what you do when Jesus comes over your house. He didn't have anybody telling him this stuff. Listen to what he does. Listen to his response out of what happens in Luke chapter 19. It says, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Here was this organic reaction to the generosity that Jesus was giving Zacchaeus. Like, like, who would go to Zacchaeus' house? And the man of the hour, Jesus, the one everyone was gathering and following and trying to touch, that was the man that said, I'll come over to your house. I'll, I'll be with you. See, let me tell you about the good news of Jesus he doesn't care where you've been. He doesn't care what you've done. He's willing and wanting to come into your life. That is the awesomeness and the generosity of God. And so Zacchaeus receives it and then responds by saying, I want to be generous like Jesus has been generous towards me. 
We see this even in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit fell upon the early apostles. We see them do something, again, that nobody was teaching them to do. Nobody was, was uh, uh, reading uh, this thing to them like this Jesus is coming in your life now this is what you're supposed to do this is organic this is spirit led Acts chapter 2 verse 45 and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need so, so they were taking their properties they were taking the things that they own and they said let's cash them in Let's, let's uh, liquidize this stuff and so we could take this because, you know, Mary over there, she's having a hard time. She got kicked out of her family for following Jesus and so we, we've got to pay off her mortgage. So let's go pay off her mortgage. I mean, there was this, this crazy, just random, organic generosity that just flooded the early church. Why? Because that's what God does. He's a generous God. He comes inside of us, and he starts evolving us into becoming the generous children of God. So generosity, like many other things, acts as almost a, a test, as a proof of kind of where you're at with your relationship with God. Not saying you're going to do this perfectly, but the more that Christ is filling your life, the more generous you're becoming. And generosity is much more than a financial thing. Generosity comes in all kinds of shapes, sizes, and colors, right? I like to call it the three T's, time, talent, and treasure. Those are the three primary areas of our life when we start talking about generosity, that generosity tends to flow through. You're generous with your time. That means you're giving people time. Time is precious, right? For some of you, it's like every minute counts. And then you've got your talents. These are abilities. These are things that you are capable of doing. Some of you get paid really well because you have this ability that you've been trained for, that you went to school for, and then you, you could be generous with that where you could send somebody a bill for what you do, but you're like, no, I'm just gonna do this because I just feel I wanna be generous and, and help this person out. And then, of course, you have your treasure. This is our, our finances. This is the material. These are our possessions that God says, hey, you can be generous with your treasure as well. So the biggest shift for me when it came to generosity was this idea called stewardship. And when I, when I say stewardship, I, I, I've got to give you another word because you may not be tracking with that word, and, and I call it management. And we all know that word a little bit better probably than stewardship. Basically, what God showed me through many Bible studies, but it, it really was highlighted in a in an experience I had as a pastor, all right? So the Bible talks a lot about money and, and how we care for money, but the Bible talks as much about stewardship or management of our stuff than it does just about you know, money itself. In other words, what we read in the Bible is that when we belong to God, everything in our life belongs to God. And, and what he does is, is he says, okay, You've given me everything, but now you're the caretaker of it. You're the manager of it. And, and what happened is I was at church, and I, I think I was just a, a pastor on staff at the time, 
and I had somebody do something really crazy. They, they came up to me, and they said, Pastor, we were praying in church, and, and we felt like God wanted us to give you $100 so that you could give it away to somebody that you know needs it. And I was thinking, well, I need $100. <laughs> so thanks, bro. No. No, but I, seriously, in, in that moment, I, I was thinking to myself going, this, this is wild. So the, I, I, it was like mission impossible at that point. I was thinking, okay, like I have a responsibility now with this $100 that before the service is over, I've got to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to show me exactly who it is that I'm supposed to give this $100 to. And so I, you know, I took it real seriously. And, and so the whole, that was at the beginning of the day too. And so we did multiple services. And at the end of the, the, the day, I was praying with a couple and they were telling me their financial woes and the things that they were going through that they, they were having a problem going through. And I was thinking, the $100 is for them. I'm like, oh. I said, I'm going to pray. But I said, I have something to give you. Somebody gave me something to give you. And you're the ones I'm supposed to give it to. And I gave them the $100. And they started crying. I start crying. But you know what I learned in that moment where, where God's talked to me through scripture after scripture, I've heard sermon after sermon saying, hey, you're the manager of my stuff. In that moment, the light bulb came on. I was like, this is what it is. That money that that family gave me, it was never my money to begin with. I, I was simply a conduit passing the money along. And I realized at that point, a steward, a manager, it's simply like none of the stuff I have is mine. It's simply flowing through my life. And if I get the nudge from God to be able to do something, it's not mine to keep. It's just mine to be able to give away to somebody else. For instance, if I, come here, Scotty, I'm going to pick on you, okay? I know, I know you will. But it's not for you, okay? But, but here, I, I'm going to give you this $100, you're going to be a carrier of it, all right? And uh, I, I have a sister that is uh, in the back there, um, and uh, her name's Amber. Okay. So would you do me a favor, and would you carry that back, and would you give her that $100? See, 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 how, see how he does. Let's all watch him, all right? <laughs> Let's all watch him, okay? All right? So, so he's going to give her that $100, all right? And okay. Come on, somebody, that's a beautiful moment. Now you're going to make me cry, Amber. She didn't know I was going to do that. That, that was just completely, uh, I just uh, shocked her, surprised her. But, but Scotty, come here for a second. So, I'm not done. So, so let, let me ask you this question. Was that difficult for you to give that money to Amber? Was that difficult? Not at all. Why? Because it brought joy to her and it brought joy to me. And why else? Uh, because it wasn't mine to begin with. Amen, brother. <laughs> That's right. Come on. That's it. <laughs> it. It wasn't his. 
It was mine, and he was just simply a conduit. So, so when the Bible talks about stewardship, when it talks about management, what it's really saying is everything in your life belongs to God. And so when God says, I, I want you to live a generous life, you should be not asking, like, with what, God? You should be saying, where, when? What, what am I supposed to be given away? That's what it, it means by being generous and being a steward. Let, let me give you a couple of passages. Uh, Job chapter 41, verse 11. Everything under heaven, God says, is mine. Let's go to the next one. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people, belong to him. You know, I think a big problem in our lives is not saying this is the, the problem with being too self-absorbed, but we do say the word I and me a lot, don't we? Can I give you a, a challenge today? Are you up for a challenge? See how long you can go after church in a conversation without using those two words, me or I. Oh, it's going to be tough. <laughs> and you have my permission. If somebody's talking to you, you say, oh, there it is. I caught you. And then maybe you can start over again. But it, it's just kind of funny that we use the word me or I, when in reality, what we have is really God's. And you're God's manager. You're God's caretaker of the thing. So, so it, it's just, here, here's two things that you need to understand. When you know something is not yours, number one, you're going to take better care of it, right? You take better care, you should, of a rental than you do probably of a house that you own. Because you're like, man, if I'm going to be charged, I'm gonna, I'm, this is somebody else's house I'm living in. The second part of that is that it's a lot easier to give it away when you know it's not yours to begin with. You, you, you become a lot more generous because you're going, it's really not mine at all. And here's the thing, you can't ever outgive God. Can I say that one more time? You can never outgive God. You can never be too generous with God without him being generous back to you because that's the principle as you live a generous life, God then turns around and is generous towards you. Let me give you a scripture in Luke chapter six. It says, give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It will be poured out into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So it's, it's weird you're generous because you're selfless, and you're not generous because you expect something back. But here's the, here's the reality. When you give, you really get. When you give, there's, there's really four things I wrote down. You might, might want to write these down on your notes. But here are the, here are the four things, prim, primarily four things. There's many more than four. But here are the primary four things that happen when you begin getting serious about generosity. Number one, you're gonna have God stories. I know more God stories when it comes to people's time, talent, and treasure than any other kind of part of their life. We all want God stories with, with physical healings and things like that, but I, I tell you, I've heard stories like that too, but for every story I hear about somebody physically being healed, I'll hear probably five or six God stories when it comes to people's finances, when it comes to people's stuff. And the truth is, when you start giving and, and you're generous with your time, talent, and treasure, 
God turns around and he gives back. Matter of fact, when it comes to the idea of giving like a tithe, God says, test me and I wanna show you that I'm gonna be faithful to you. And I have so many stories of people that decided that, you know what, I'm gonna take 10% and, and I'm gonna use that as a benchmark to be generous in my finances. And God says, I, I've, I've attached promises to that benchmark. That I, not, not only why I open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing, but I'm gonna rebuke the devourer from your life. I don't know what I like more. I don't know if I like the windows of heaven being poured out or rebuking the devourer from coming against my life. Both those things sound pretty good to me. But that's a benchmark. I know a lot of people that are a lot more generous than 10%. I've got a guy that I know in Bakersfield. He's a friend of mine. He used 10% as a benchmark. Now he's up to giving away 60% of his income. And he's done this test with God. Every time like he gets his new client or new deal, he actually gives more. And the more he gives, the more clients he gets, the more, more business brings in. And financially, he's more well off now giving away 60% of his income than he was when he wasn't giving any away at all. And I'm not saying that, hey, you should give 60% of your income. All I'm just saying is that if you want to see the miraculous side of God for your life personally, then I double dog challenge you. No, I, <laughs> I, I triple dog dare you <laughs> to be generous when it comes to your time, your talent, and your treasure. Here's the other thing. You'll get life. You'll get life. So that's weird, but look, look what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 6. It says, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. There's something about real living when you start being generous towards other people. It just, it springs up. It's just like, I'm made to do this. And you start feeling fully alive when you start being more generous with your life. Proverbs chapter 11. It says, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. And those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. So as you begin pouring your life out and helping other people and giving yourself more to other people, then what happens is you actually start filling your life up with real life. Number three, because we're moving through time here really quickly, is giving gives you a blessing. Proverbs 22, verse nine. It says, he who is generous will be blessed. Now that word blessed, I mean, really it translated happy, but really the word can be broken out to mean contentment, satisfaction, and peace. Do you want more contentment in your life? Do you want more satisfaction in your life? Do you want more peace in your life? Then it is connected to blessing and blessing is connected to being generous. Matter of fact, there are studies that have been done a lot about the, even the, the positive impact that generosity does to your health. A wide range of research has linked different forms of generosity to better health, even among the sick and elderly. In his book, Why Good Things Happen to Good People, Stephen Post, a professor of preventative medicine at Stony Brook University, reports that giving to others has been shown to increase health benefits in people with chronic illness, including HIV and multiple sclerosis. 
One study led by Doug Oman of the University of California, Berkeley, found that elderly people who volunteered for two or more organizations were 44% likely to die over a five-year period than were non-volunteers, even after controlling their age, exercise habits, general health, and negative health habits like smoking. Stephen Brown of the University of Michigan saw similar results in a 2003 study on elderly couples. She and her colleagues found that those individuals who provided practical help to friends, relatives, or neighbors, or gave emotional support to their spouses had a lower risk of dying over a five-year period than those who didn't. Interesting, receiving help wasn't linked to reduced death risk at all. Researchers suggest that one reason giving may improve physical health and longevity is that it helps decrease stress, which is associated with a variety of health problems. In a 2006 study by Rachel Ferry of John Hopkins University and Kathleen Lawyer of the University of Tennessee, people who provided social support to others had lower blood pressure than participants who didn't, suggesting a direct physiological benefit to those who give of themselves. Church, do you want to be blessed? No, that's just like that. I've heard that. God's prosperity gospel. No, it's not. This is a way of life that God says, I want this for you. I, I want to pour this out, and I've hardwired generosity in you. And when you start living to who I've created you to be, there's going to be more contentment. There's going to be more satisfaction. There's going to be more peace. And there's going to be less stress and less discouragement and depression when you're living out the full you that God has created you to be. Here's the fourth thing. And that is God gives you a changed heart. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Jesus gives this thing called the, the parable of the talents, and he says, in this parable, he says that the owner gave these servants these different sets of talents. One guy, he gave five talents. Another guy, he gave three. And another guy, he gave one. And then he went away, and he came back. He said, how'd you invest with what I did? And the one that you know, had five invested it got five more. The one that had three invested it got three more. And the one that had the one talent, he was scared of the master and he buried it. And so when the owner came back and he said, what'd you do with what I gave you? He rewarded the, the servants that had went out and had invested their talents. And he said, well done. I'm actually gonna even entrust you with more. But the one that was afraid of doing anything with that and buried it, he actually got a rebuke. So Jesus uses this parable to say, hey, what are you doing with the resources, with the time, with the abilities that I've given you to leverage it more for the kingdom of God? And the more that you do, the more the kingdom of God begins to transform your heart because the more you're leveraging your life for God's kingdom, giving up Saturday mornings to go out and serve people or looking at your maybe closet and saying, what can I do to give away and, and actually be more generous to people that have less when I have so much? Like, like that changes your heart. You have more of a kingdom-minded heart when you're living a more generous life. Let's pray. Father, I, I just thank you for this series. And God, I think all of us, if we're really honest with ourselves, we... We really do use the words me and I probably a way too much in our vocabulary. God, help us to give more so that we can selfless. God, show us the areas of our time, of our talents, of our treasure that, 
God, we can learn to be more generous knowing, God, that, Lord, we're simply managers, we're caretakers, we're stewards of things that you've entrusted to us. And may we be like that wise five-talent man and invest our talents back into the things that, God, matter most to you, and that is other human beings. God, give us Holy Spirit moments this week to show off generosity in our lives. God, I know you put a couple of ideas on my heart, just maybe paying for somebody's meal behind us in the drive-through. Cooking a, a meal for somebody that maybe has been in the hospital this week or a single mom or maybe just somebody that's been just wrestling around with just sickness in the home. Perhaps, God, it's bringing the office a bunch of fresh bagels in the morning. God, I, I pray, give us practical ways this week to begin living this out, to begin living your kingdom, to be taking our time and our talent and our treasure and leveraging up more and more and more for your kingdom so we can be generous as you've been generous to us. Hey, thank you for tuning in today to another message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on YouTube, iTunes Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and even on Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and click either the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. And until next time, we pray you'll keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love. God bless you.